What's up, y'all? We are back with another edition of DNVR Madness presented by Chevalier Mortgage. I am Justin Michael. I cover the Colorado State Rams. I'm joined by Ben Girding. He covers the Colorado Buffaloes. Used to be super intern. Now he's on staff. Can't even boss him around anymore. How's it going, my dude? Not too bad. What a what an introduction. You know, just, just because I'm staff now doesn't mean I'm pretty sure everybody's still my boss. So don't worry <laughs> about that. No, you know, it's great to get back into it. We had to, had to go on a little bit of a pause with lots of things going on with the Buffs and the Rams and all sorts of things. But, you know, we are approaching February, which means we are also approaching March, which means this content is just going to continue to ramp up as time goes on. We've got some good stuff cooking as far as Selection Sunday and some tournament coverage. But for now, I won't tease you anymore. We're just here to talk about basketball. Totally. It's been... It's been a weird couple of weeks for Ben and I. We've had some chaoticness going on in our lives, so we apologize for the lack of recordings, but we're going to get right back into it. We've got all kinds of stuff to talk about. Before we do, though, you know, you guys are probably hearing how great these mortgage rates are, and guys, they are. They're phenomenal. But Mike and Virginia Chevalier, they're, they're just not your typical mortgage company. Yeah, they've got phenomenal rates, but really, what sets them apart is that Mike is a certified financial planner He's going to look at so much more than just the rate when designing your home loan. They're a small family-owned company, so you'll always feel like a person and not a number. Ben, that's what I love about them. I know that you do too. You love that personal touch. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com. Enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat of your choice when you do. Most importantly, get set up with a free consultation. Again, that's dnvrmortgage.com. Mike and Virginia, they're going to work tirelessly for you. Could not recommend them enough. Give Mike a call directly at 970-412-2472 or again, visit dnvrmortgage.com. They're the best in the business. Just, I mean, what else can you say? Really nothing else. Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006. Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Check that out, dnvrmortgage.com. Ben, so much hoops, so many leagues to talk about. Where do you want to start this madness? Yeah, I mean, madness is the only only way to describe college basketball. And so let's go to, to the heart of the madness. Let's head over into, you know, the Midwest area, looking at the Big Ten. I mean, you know, what can you say about the Big Ten other than, you know, we hit on it a lot, uh, excuse me, conference cannibalization. The one game I point to in particular is Indiana on the 21st going into Iowa and beating them by 12 points, I truly think that that win is enough to propel Indiana on the right side of kind of the the NCAA tournament. You know, I mean, there's a lot of buzz about this conference and how many teams are going to get in. And Indiana is kind of floating right now as one of those teams. Obviously, I I think the one thing working for them too, as far as just a external factor is, the committee is going to want to get some of these blue blood, you know, good, hardy tradition programs in. And in a year when Duke and Kentucky are, are really lackluster, you know, maybe this is another just kind of notch in the cap for Indiana to say they've got a tremendous basketball fan base. You know, maybe we should give them the nod. So it's a little bit weird to start Big Ten conversation and start off talking about the Hoosiers. But, you know, where do you go with them? Wins over Maryland and obviously Iowa are some good ones, but they've lost to Northwestern. They've lost to Illinois, lost to Rutgers again. You know, they are just kind of all over the place. 
The tough part with the Hoosiers, like you just said, is they've lost so many fringe games, but I, I, I tend to agree with you. I think that win on the road at Iowa, assuming that they take care of business down the stretch here, I think that's what propels them in. You know, so much is made about, you know, the lack of home court advantage this year, given that there aren't, you know, sold out arenas and all that. Well, guys, the top five teams in the country, they're 43 and one at home. That's the only home loss that any of the top five teams in the country have so far. That's significant. Indiana has one of the best wins in the country. That's going to matter come tournament time. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I couldn't have said it any better. And that, I'm, I'm glad you said it because I was, I was going to say that if you didn't. You know, that when you look at every single game that's played, that Indiana win in Iowa is going to go down as at least a top five, maybe top three victory of the entire season. And I agree. That should be enough to get the Hoosiers in. Kind of looking back at the conference as a whole, You've got Michigan with a two, uh, one and a half, two game lead over Iowa right now. Outside of that, then Wisconsin in third, Illinois in fourth, and then Ohio State in fifth, who has really been been playing some very good basketball of late. They're Where so you- hot and cold, though, man. I just I can't get a read on Ohio State. Every time I buy in, I bet on them, and then they drop one, and then I'm back out, and then they'll go on another streak and win three, four in a row again. They're just the whole big 10 in general, I feel like other than I, I mean, even Iowa, we just talked about how they lost to Indiana other than them in Michigan. It's just such a roller coaster. I mean, Michigan state, for instance, I mean, they, they take a couple weeks off, then they blow a massive lead. And then they just got stomped by Rutgers. And it, the, the league is just chaos. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but no, Ohio totally state fine. is just one of those frustrating ones for me where it's like, I know they're a tournament team. I know they're probably going to end up with like a top five seed. But do they deserve it? I'm not sure. No, and it's interesting you bring that up. I mean, they got beat by Northwestern. And remember just three weeks ago how Northwestern was ranked? And now all of a sudden it's like, (laughs) oh, wait a second. That was just a fun weekend. That was a fun weekend. Yeah. So, you know, for Ohio State, I completely agree. Um, They just need to put together – another another little stretch here going into February. That's what I'd like to see from them because – the loss to Purdue is is not bad. I think Purdue is a very good basketball team. The loss to Minnesota was a blowout. That 17-point loss on the road, so you give them a little bit of credit there. But really, you know, what can they do against Michigan State and then Iowa and Maryland? Those are their next three games. That's what I'm interested to see because Michigan State, that should be a win. Michigan State's not playing good basketball. You get them at home. But then you go on the road to Iowa. You can't expect the Buckeyes to win, but what I'd like to see is for them to not get blown out by 17 points because when they've gone on the road and lost, they have not played well. So that's what I'd like to see from the Buckeyes. Looking at Purdue, too, they're sitting in six in the Big Ten. They had a nice little run. They had a four-game win streak, including wins over Indiana and Ohio State. Then they got destroyed by Michigan. Is that a indication on where Purdue is at. Can they take care of business against the bad teams in the conference, but actually can't compete? So are they just kind of one of those middle tier teams that, that doesn't really have a ceiling much higher? I, that's kind of the sense I get with Purdue. You know, they're one of those groups. I, I think they could probably win a game in the NCAA tournament with the right matchup. Yeah. Are they going to make a run? I don't really see it based on everything we've seen so far. Yeah. They're, they're a competitive team. They're in the best league in basketball, but they're just, they're a significant step below the Michigans, the Iowas, 
even Ohio State, some of these other teams that we've seen, I would feel much more confident in at the moment. That said, you know, it is kind of one of those proud basketball programs that always seems to figure it out going into the tournament. Maybe I need to give them the benefit of the doubt, but they're, they're a program, I think, more than a lot of these teams is going to be impacted by the lack of home court advantage. Because Mackey Arena, I mean, that's normally one of the best home court advantages in all of college basketball. It's unfortunate, you know, that they have to play all these giants and, you know, empty arenas or limited capacities. I'm not sure what the, what, what the regulations are out there. No, absolutely. And, and, you know, speaking of though, a a proud basketball tradition, I want to shift towards the Michigan state Spartans right now. They are sitting at 10th in the conference, eight and five win loss, two and five in uh, big 10 play. They are coming off of a loss last night, 67 to 37. um, Yikes. And this is a team where again, in a, in a year where, prestigious historic programs do not have the same recognition. I'd be curious if a, for lack of a better term, like a bubble team like Michigan state gets a nod because of that, you know, kind of that blind faith in in coach Izzo. I mean, look, they've not played great against good teams. They lost Northwestern, Wisconsin, Minnesota. They have a win over Rutgers originally at home. That's a good win. And then they lost to Purdue and they lost to Rutgers. I mean, they just haven't. The problem with Michigan State right now, quite frankly, is they just don't have the sample size to put them one way or the other because we still don't really know. They had three games postponed, Iowa, Indiana, and Illinois. Now they turn around. They're going to be at Ohio State, at Iowa. That game against Michigan is postponed because of issues within the Blue Devils program. And then they take on Nebraska and Penn State so they can pick up a couple extra conference wins on that stretch. But again, Ohio State and Iowa, both of those games on the road, I I will make a a bold prediction. If Michigan State gets one win out of those two, they will make the, the NCAA tournament. Because that is, in my head, going to be enough to show that they will take care of business down the stretch. But it's a bold take. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to be pissed off if Michigan State makes the NCAA tournament. I'm just going to be straight up. As a guy that covers a league like the Mountain West, where it's like they have four bona fide teams that are top 70 in all the metrics, and it's like, oh, God, I hope the third and fourth teams get in. Michigan State, they're sitting here 101st in net. They haven't done jack shit all year. They haven't beat a single. I mean, yes, they had the Rutgers win at home. That's great. Now that we just got completely blown out on the road, I think they probably will sneak in because they're going to win a game or two down the stretch. And it's going to frustrate me, especially when they get in at the expense of somebody, you know, out of the Mountain West or one of these smaller leagues. But I get it. I mean, it's the Big Ten. They've got all the prestige. I, You know, we said all year, it is the best league in basketball. I just hate when a team like Michigan State slides in basically because we're giving them the benefit of the doubt. You know, it's, Oh, they're, they're Michigan State. They'll figure it out. Well, they had a whole season to figure it out, Absolutely. and they haven't done it yet. Yeah. No, I, I could not agree more. I, I think that they are on that team. And just to kind of wrap up the Big Ten discussion, then I want to talk to you because there's a lot of buzz about is the Big Ten a 10-bid team or a 10-bid league? So I'm going to go through the all, all the rankings uh, okay. in case anybody listening out there doesn't, doesn't have them in front of you. And I'm just gonna and, and I just want you to say yes or no. Are they an NCAA tournament team? Okay. And we'll start off easy at the top. Michigan. 
Absolutely. Not a question. Iowa. Easy. Wisconsin. Yes. Illinois. Yes. Ohio State. Yes. Purdue. Yes. Rutgers. Probably. Yeah, probably. Minnesota. Yes. Indiana. Yes. Michigan State. No. Maryland. No. Northwestern. No. Penn State. No. Nebraska. No way. So, so I got nine, I think, right? Yeah. So you got nine in there. Um, that it's is, gonna be ten. If I have nine already, it's gonna be ten. Yep. So Michigan through Indiana, those are the top nine in the Big Ten rankings right now. Those in my head are as close to locks as you can. Indiana is getting close to that point. For me, that tenth team comes down between Maryland and Michigan State. Maryland is so fascinating because they have a win over Minnesota, a very dominating win. Losses against Michigan and Wisconsin. They've got a big-time win against Illinois that got blown out by Iowa, beat by Indiana, you know, and, and they've beaten Wisconsin. They, they, they're they one and one with Wisconsin on the se- season. So for Maryland, they have a lot of good wins, a lot of quad one wins, but then also, you know, a lot of random losses in there as well. So that's what I think Maryland's case is, is going to be down the stretch is they're inconsistent but they play well against some good teams. And I think that would be the case. Um, if, if I had to put money on it right now, I would say 10 with Maryland, Michigan state being the first team out of the big 10. Um, and again, that's just because they haven't shown it, but again, if they pick up a win on the road at either Ohio state or Iowa, I will feel confident in them down the stretch that they can pick up enough wins, um, to maybe make a push. Um, I'd have less beef with Maryland making it than Michigan state. They've been up and down. But Maryland has three times the amount of quality wins that Michigan State does. Yep, I agree. I agree. Um, they are in a better resume point right now. Um, they just need to kind of tie a bow on, on February and maybe put on a little bit of a run. You know, even if it's just a two, three, maybe even a four-game win streak, anything to show that they can actually play consistent basketball um, would be important. The problem is, is they're coming into the heart of the Big Ten schedule right now, so it's difficult to do that. You know, teams – pick up these runs, you know, in non-con play, December heading into conference play. And that's enough to show you can play good stretches of basketball for, you know, an extended period of time. So, um, but let's pivot away from the big 10 at this point um, and, and look into the big East and the big East should be an easier conversation because there's not as much action top to bottom, like in the big 10. Let's start though at the top Villanova came off their COVID break Really didn't skip a beat. Ten and one win loss right now. Five and zero oh in the conference. They're on an eight game win streak that's stretching back into December because of all the postponements. What did you see out of the Wildcats since the return? A two point win over Seton Hall, and then a very convincing, I believe it's a fourteen point win over Providence. So they came back after two weeks off and, and really did not skip a beat. Look, you. I mean, I think that that. Uh... The Providence game was maybe slightly, or um, excuse me, the Seton Hall game was maybe slightly closer than you would hope if you're a Villanova fan. But you and I have talked a lot about Seton Hall is sneaky. That's a deceptively tough game. For me, the, the big thing is that they just took care of business. It's hard to come out and beat league teams, especially after not getting to practice for a couple of weeks. We've seen it. I mean, Gonzaga is obviously their own, their, their own deal. Gonzaga could probably take a month off and come back and still drop 105 on someone because they're just 
they're insane. But Villanova, man, we've we've loved the offense, we love the experience, and I think that's just kind of what we're seeing. Yeah, they slowed down a little bit after that beat. You know, they're not scoring quite at the same rate. But even so, I mean, they're they're going to be fine. I just I have so much confidence in this team down the stretch. They're well coached. They're experienced. I I think they're a sleeper to contend for a title this year. If if anybody out of you know a smaller league could do it, they have the offense to do it. Yeah, and it's interesting because Villanova right now they're three in the AP. But I agree they would be a, a quote unquote sleeper pick just because nobody's really talking about them. I think that early loss to Virginia Tech hurt them as far as national standings. I think people might have been a a little bit more timid. Um, And then obviously that COVID break took them out of the limelight, but this is still a very good basketball team. They have five players averaging nine points or better. So they have consistency across the board. Um, They just have a a lot of different, you know, I, I would say weapons, but this isn't like a Gonzaga weapons team, you know, where Gonzaga has, Suggs and Timmy and Kispert, and all of a sudden it's like uh, any of them could go off for 30 a night. Instead, this is just a balanced attack. They get their players involved well. They play to each other's strengths well. You've got a veteran guard in Colin Gillespie. You've got a stud in Jeremiah Robinson Earl right now, and, and those are kind of those pillars. But again, five guys averaging nine or more a night, that is fantastic because it shows that point distribution. It shows unselfish basketball, um, and it also shows that the points can come from a variety of areas. It might not be an explosion like Gonzaga, but it's that consistency that that makes up for a Colin Gillespie off night shows, you know, those points can come from somewhere else. I love that you brought that up. You know, they don't have that, you know, Mikhail Bridges or, um, God, I'm drawing a blank, Jalen Brunson or, you know, any of those type of scores that are, it's like, oh, he might go for 40 tonight. You know, it's not really that type of team but they're so deep. They're so unselfish. And to me, those are the most dangerous teams, you know, in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. You know, somebody can get hot like a Carson Edwards in the NCAA tournament, you know, where it's just like, Oh my God, this dude's going for 35 a night. But eventually, you know, if if that's what you're relying on, if that guy, you know, doesn't get it done, you're screwed. I mean, even like a a Jimmer Fredette back in the day, you know, yeah, Jimmer could drop 50. Nobody else could do much else on that team. So, they, I mean, that's why they never, you know, were that dangerous in the NCAA tournament. This team is not like that. They're built to win. They're well-coached. They're experienced. I love the Big East. Let's talk about Creighton, though, because they're another team that I think, you know, deceptively, they're kind of a sleeper to make a run in the tournament. Yep. You know, and, and I'm glad we're doing this podcast today instead of last Friday because, it would have been tough to evaluate Creighton right after those losses. I, I think I would have been pretty harsh on him. I mean, you lose a four-point game at Butler. That's a bad Butler's loss. just not a good basketball team. Yeah, yeah, it's not a good loss. And so that is, especially when you look at, you know, some of their other losses, that one-point loss to Kansas, completely excusable. It was a good game, you know. And then that loss to Marquette. Marquette is a middle-of-the-tier team. You know, team. I, I don't know what tier they're in as far as the net or quad. I, I believe they're probably a two or a three. Um, I would say so two. that's going to. I mean, I, I'd have to double check it, but yeah. So that's still not a, not a terrible loss. Butler is, um, and Providence is a a better basketball program. But for them to come out after a bad loss on the road and then drop a team, drop drop a game to a team at home that is still clearly below their skill level, it's just disappointing. But then you fast forward. Picked up a win against Connecticut. That's a fantastic win for them. 
the UConn Huskies are a, a team that, again, they don't have the same sample size because of COVID this year. But in the games that they've played, they've been playing very well. They're 8-3 and three on the season. And then they picked up a win against Seton Hall. Seton Hall is going to be a tournament team, um, in, in my opinion. So, or at least they're flirting with that bubble line. So those are two good wins in the conference. Um, and that just gives you an, a nice little stability. You're now on a two game win streak. Um, you, you pick things back up a little bit. You're still eight and three in the conference, which is fantastic. Um, and now you've got a, a nice little stretch to Paul Georgetown. And then you go on the road to Marquette to try and avenge that loss. Creighton down the road though. And we're going to talk about this more as the weeks come on. Game at Xavier, and they have their season series against Villanova, one at home, one on the road. That is going to really determine, you know, how this conference plays out. Because if they even split that series with Villanova, they actually could have a decent chance to upset them. Oh, I agree. I mean, all the reasons that I love Villanova, I love Creighton for. Yeah. You know, they're they're deep, they're experienced, they're well coached. They've got five guys averaging double digit scoring figures. I mean. These are the type of teams. Yeah, Mahomey is definitely their Mahoney. <laughs> Mahomey, Mahoney <laughs> is definitely you know their leading scorer and the guy that you want to focus on. But they've got multiple. Let's see here, four upperclassmen guards. I mean that that's tough to beat. I love that experience. I don't think they're quite as deep as Villanova. I think from a raw talent perspective, Villanova is a better team. But on any night, yeah, they could totally sweep. And if they win those three going into that. They're going to be set up great. I mean, they've at this point they have an NCAA tournament resume. I, I mean, unless they lose a bunch here and and you know go oh, one and four or something down the stretch, but I just I love this league. The Big East is just so much fun. Yeah, you know, and, and growing up in Cincinnati, you know, the Bearcats used to be a part of the Big East. It was a fun conference to be in. I, I love going to basketball games back when Sean Kilpatrick was tearing up uh, on on the Bearcats front, but. Yeah, it, it's a great league. And I think they have a case for four, maybe five bids here. It just depends on how the rest of February shakes out because the Big East has been hit harder from COVID than I think some other conferences have. Um, I mean, that kind of makes sense, though, just from like where some of these schools are located, you know, like when you're in New York and Philadelphia and some of the, I don't, maybe, maybe I'm big braining this. And no, I mean, that, it, but it, it makes sense to me. I don't know. No, absolutely. And, and quite frankly, you can't fault the conference for COVID because it's just it's one of those years. And this is where the selection committee needs to, to put on their outside perspective hat and say, you know, how are we going to compare these? Because it's not apples to apples, because you might have, let's say, Stanford in the Pac-12 who plays 24 games compared to Seton Hall, who might only play 15. You know, so how, how do you break down the record, both in conference and total? It's just going to be interesting to, to see how they make those determinations because there's really no right or wrong answer. Yeah, the whole process is going to be really subjective this year, which means that some people are going to love it and <laughs> some people are going to be furious. And we'll talk about, you know, every side that we can. Let's let's keep it moving. Let's go to the ACC, a weird league, a league that's picked up some steam of late. but. I mean, the top five teams are still only like five and 11 and quad one games. It's just, it's not an impressive conference this year. Yeah, it, it's, it's not the same ACC. You know, I think they still do match up well as far as prestige as it, within, you know, the, the top seven conferences that we like to highlight. Um, 
But no, I agree. I think they're on the bottom of that tier. Virginia, they're 7-0 and in the conference right now. That's big for the Cavs. You know, I, I just wasn't that high on Virginia because they had a lot of postponements. So starting on December 19th, they had played six games, five games. No, I'm so sorry. Four games or one and three through the late December. So I was kind of out on the Cavaliers and they come out and they had a, a blowout loss to Gonzaga. But they had been putting on an impressive run, including the 35 point win over Clemson. That's big. They, they broke the Tigers. I mean, Clemson went into that game with the number one rated defense. And I believe it was Ken Palm and Matt. They were the, they were the most efficient defense in the country. And then they went on after that Virginia game, they went on a three game stretch where they gave up 80 or 80 or more points every game. Hey, they broke the Tigers for a bit there. Virginia has positioned itself well, but six in that, seven in Ken Palm. I mean, the metrics love them. No, absolutely. When you look at the ACC, though, you do have Florida State, Virginia Tech, and North Carolina creeping just one win back from that top spot. Um, as far as how many games back they actually are, it, it depends because of COVID. They've all played different amounts, but. Florida State, Virginia Tech, <clears throat> excuse me, and North Carolina all picked up six conference wins. Virginia has seven. And then Louisville's kind of creeping back there. Louisville's, you know, not as hot as they were earlier in the season, but still a good basketball team. The ACC right now is trending towards, um, you know, maybe even, <clears throat> excuse me again, six or seven teams. Now, I think the, the, the five I would call them locks at this point are Virginia, Florida State, Virginia Tech, North Carolina, and Louisville. I think at this point in time, we can consider all of them to receive a bid. Um, North so Carolina, be, man, one and four in quad one games. I know they picked it up. They're two and four on the road. The big thing helping UNC is they're six and oh at home. They take yeah. care of business at home. Yeah. And, and again, though, that's one of those teams that I, I think is going to receive another one of those benefit of the doubt bumps. Um, you got to let someone in. If Duke's not in, if Kentucky's yeah. not in, if Michigan State's not in, they got to get some TV numbers up. Well, that, that that steers me to another conversation. Then you know you've got Clemson, who they're still ten and four. They're still you know they, they've they picked up a win last night, so they're they're back in there. They might be in that conversation as well. Duke right now is six and five. They have a win over Georgia Tech after a three game skid to some pretty decent teams in the conference. Right now, their best win is at Notre Dame. Where do you well, I mean, why I mean, are it's they? Not, it's not a bad win, but it's not a good win. So why are they even in contention? Why are they ranked? Why are they in the conversation at all? They're zero and four in quad one games. I mean, guys, I get it. Like it's Duke, you know. I I've been to Cameron Indoor. It's amazing. I I get all of it. But at some point, we got to do some logic. Like they're not winning. They can't beat good teams. Yep. And, and, and that's honestly, that's what it comes down to. And I'm, I'm glad you had that opinion because I listen to a lot of national podcasts on this because I, I, I just love it. Um, you know, and I, I listen to the CBS guys uh, and they have Duke on the bubble right now, as far as kind of flirting with it. And, and I understand the thought process of wanting to put Duke on the bubble, but the problem is, is, you're 0-4, like you said, in quad one games. If your best win is at Notre Dame, they have no business being in the NCAA tournament. They have a chance, though, 
as all teams do right now, because it is only January 29th. So they go, they play Clemson. They've got games against North Carolina coming up. And then to close the season, they'll have Virginia, Syracuse, Louisville, and North Carolina again. If they pick up a couple of those wins, I would understand if, if they, if they were potentially at kind of the at large conversation on the back end. But if, if I am a Duke blue devils fan right now, and let me be clear with one thing to all the listeners, I am not, but if I'm not Duke Duke boys on this podcast, if we were Duke fans, I think our best hope would say, let's get hot the last week and a half and try and secure the ACC bid and win the conference tournament, because that I think it might be Duke's, best actual probability of of winning this conference is if they can somehow get hot during the conference tournament. One of the things we will talk about on this podcast, and, and I don't want to do it today because I think we're still far out enough that at this point it's just speculation and kind of a waste of time. There's no guarantee there's going to be conference tournaments this year. Oh, so there's, yeah. there's a lot of rumblings that they're not going to happen or going to be slightly modified or we'll have to see how that plays out. But Keeping, keeping it on that theme, one of our partners, DraftKings Sportsbook, we're, we're big betting guys over here, so I'm going to put you on the spot. If you had to bet, if Duke make, does Duke make the NCAA tournament, you're putting money on it, you know, 20 bucks, hypothetically, yes or no, does Duke make the tourney? Gut says yes, in a strange way. In, and the problem with that is they should not right now be an NCAA tournament team. I don't think so. You don't think so. I think it's ludicrous if they're in the conversation. But I would put my money on it based on the way I've seen national pundits talk about Duke and how they're, you know, they're, they're rearing to go. You know, Coach K is the best coach in college basketball history. And you know what? That's fair. He's probably the best basketball coach in college basketball to ever, to, to ever coach. Wow, I coach a lot there. But this is not the same Duke team. We talk about that with Kentucky. But I feel like my gut is leaning towards yes in a, in a strange way. And I hate that it is. I think you're right. I don't want it. <laughs> I don't want you to be, but I think you're right. But I, before we're going to, we're going to move on, keep talking more college basketball. But before we do pigskin fans, the moment you've been waiting for all season is right around the corner. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of super bowl 55 is bringing back their golden ticket giveaway with up to $55 million in prizes up for grabs. You heard me right. 55 million. All you have to do to get your share of these huge prizes is enter DraftKings Sportsbook's free Super Bowl prediction challenge. Once you submit your picks, you'll get a free instant prize of up to $25,000. Ben, have you already done this? I'm not. I'm logging on right now to set a reminder, so I will. (laughs) You got to do it. You get free money. They're literally paying you to participate. If you have the most predictions correct, you could win the top prize of $1 million. Dollars, one million dollars. Download the app now. Enter the free prediction challenge. Answer questions like who will score last. Boom! Get ready to make it rain. DraftKings has already paid out seven billion dollars with a B to its players since 2012. They know a thing or two about paydays. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the promo code DNVR. You can get your share of up to 55 million dollars in the DraftKings Super Bowl prediction challenge. Everyone gets an instant prize of up to twenty-five thousand dollars. Unfortunately, I only got the three. Maybe you'll be more lucky. Use the promo code DNVR now. Enter your chance to get $55 million only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of Super Bowl 55. Terms and conditions to apply. 
have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Man, that was a little bit of a mouthful, but I'm pumped, man. Super Bowl 55, going to be fun. Old man Brady, we got the future versus Mahomes. All the storylines, it's going to be a blast. Let's keep talking college basketball, though. Uh, let's move on to the next league and, and talk Big 12, which, what a weird league, man. <laughs> Normally one of the best in college basketball. It's like a middle-of-the-pack conference this year. Yeah, you know, in... in- Quite frankly speaking, I'm just going to say it right off the bat. I don't think anybody's catching Baylor. Um, no, they, they've got a, a, a three-game lead in a conference right now. They're playing just incredible basketball. They just blew out K-State by almost 50 points. Um, and they've already picked up wins against Kansas. And I just – I don't know if anybody really can compete at this point. Obviously, Kansas is – going to make the NCAA tournament. Fun fact, do you know the lowest seed that Bill Self has ever been at Kansas? Like six? A four seed. He's never been lower than a four seed. And I was going to say, I know it's around five-ish, but yeah. So, you know, and I think, frankly, Kansas is trending that way as probably a four, maybe a three seed, depending on how they finish up the season, because they're in a an interesting spot in conference play. Back-to-back losses to Baylor and Oklahoma aren't great, but both of them were on the road, so I think they get a little bit of a bump there because they'll be able to come back at home. Big-time game on Saturday for them at Tennessee in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah, so if, if you're a Baylor fan right now, I think you're feeling comfortable just for the fact that Kansas, I don't think, can catch you at this point. And also, Texas... Has is down three players and their head coach due to COVID right now. So that team is playing, but it's playing very shorthanded. Um, them and Oklahoma are just not going to be able to keep up, and, and I don't think West Virginia will either. I think it's going to be a a six. No, I'm sorry. A, a could even be a seven bid league. Quite frankly, depending on how Oklahoma states or plays down the road. But at this point, Baylor, Texas, Oklahoma, West Virginia, Kansas, and Texas Tech. All are trending as NCAA tournament teams. Oklahoma State kind of on the bubble there. Um, yeah, they're not as good as normal uh, as they normally are. Um, but I think that they have they're they're top heavy with Baylor, and then they've got a lot of those middle of the pack teams that I, for one, would not want to play against in the first round. Shoot, I mean West Virginia, they've they've come down to life a little bit, but that's not a team you'd want to play in the tournament. You know, they still got three quad wins. OU has three quad one wins. I mean, they've been inconsistent, but. I, I think you hit it right on the head there. It's, look, they still have talent. You know, it's just one of those, you just don't want to face them in the tournament. Yep. Let's, uh, let's move on to the Pac-12 because this is a league that I really am intrigued to hear all about from you because you've got your finger on the pulse. It's been kind of a weird one. Like, to me, Oregon has still been the best team that I've seen, but they're on pause, so it's kind of hard to determine at the moment. Colorado's had some impressive wins. Stanford's had some big wins. You know, it's just, it's, it's a weird league right now. Yeah. I think I've said know, that for literally every league. It's, it's kind of weird right now. You know, and, and I think the Pac-12 has done well considering where they were two weeks into the season is, is where everybody's horrible takes come out. And, and somebody came out and said, I, I don't remember who it was, but the Pac-12 is only sending one team to the NCAA tournament. And I was like, that's ludicrous. They're, yeah, they're, that's they, they're, right now, though, you know, out of the 12 teams, they have five that are going to be. 
You have UCLA, USC, Colorado, Stanford, Oregon. It would be six, but Arizona is, Arizona, quite frankly, could be the best team in the Pac-12. They have a self-imposed postseason ban, so they will not be participating in the conference tournament or the NCAA tournament. Hurts the Pac-12 in that sense. I mean, to, to get Arizona, to get the Wildcats in there would have been big, um, just because you know you get more money for your conference, you get more recognition for your conference. But yeah, starting at the top, UCLA they looked unbeatable, and then they gave up a easy layup with 0.8 seconds left to Oscar da Silva. Uh, Stanford was down one point in, in their game against UCLA last week with 0.8 seconds left. Stanford had an inbound pass and UCLA just completely ignored Oscar da Silva cutting directly towards the basket. Easy layup. US, UCLA loses. Stanford picks up a big win. That's just an inexcusable loss for the Bruins. You're in a position to win and you give up an easy little, uh, little pass inside the lane. But Stanford, Who else yeah, would they be going to in that situation? Other literally, than exactly. Exactly. And the fact that they just didn't even have the man covering the... So so with 0.8 seconds left, if you are getting a shot up, it is ugly. It's the ball hits your hands and you just kind of throw it. You're not getting a good shot. So they, for them to not have their defender who's guarding the passer lean and cut off the inside lane as well was just... Just didn't make any sense to me. And I said it at the bar while I was watching it. I said, this is a horrible look. They score. I feel good because now I feel like I can coach college basketball. But that's besides the point. Stanford right now on a nice two-game little win streak with that win over UCLA and a nice win over at Arizona. Stanford dropped off a bit there. They they were trending up and they were trending back down a little bit. Um, they had a couple tough losses in there to Colorado and Utah. But now they pick up two more wins. They're back securely in position. Um and then you look at UCLA and USC, the LA schools, they're at one and two in the conference right now. Both of them are playing good basketball. The, you know, the thing about who's going to come out of this conference on top, your guess is as good as mine. You've got four teams that are within two games, and then Oregon is on pause, but win percentage-wise, they could kind of sneak up there. Um, USC, Colorado, and Stanford, all within striking distance of the Bruins, this conference is going to be an interesting one. As you know, we head into February and head closer towards March. I think the toughest part with the Pac-12 right now, and I do think it is underrespected, they just they don't have a lot of premier wins over other leagues. Nobody in the league has more than two quad one wins. It's one of those where it's like everybody's been fine, but nobody's resume has you know really separated themselves. Colorado, I think they had a chance, but they're one and three in quad one games so far. I think they still need just kind of like that elite premier victory to kind of boost them in terms of their national perception. Where are you at with Oregon right now? I know it's hard because they're on a pause. I think they're the best team in the league. Do you agree or do you disagree? I disagree. I think that the last time that we saw, and quite frankly, the reason I disagree is I covered the Colorado um, Oregon game and Colorado, they only beat them by seven points, but that game just never really felt that close. Every time Oregon kind of snuck back in there, Colorado never let them get within one or two possessions throughout the majority of that game. I think they're very talented. I would not want to play them in the first round, but I have not seen enough from them at this point to, to say they're the best team in the conference to me. It is still the UCLA Bruins. I think that they 
Other than that defensive lapse, they are looking at running away with this conference. So, you know, one mistake came at a bad time, but this still is the best conference. I'm sorry, the best team in the conference. You know, the thing with the Pac-12 that really hurt them is their leadership team elected during the football season to cancel all sporting activities until January 1 of 2021. Now, obviously, the Pac-12 commissioner, who is now Larry Scott, going to be out uh, on his way out uh, in June, but they reversed that decision and allowed basketball to start on time with everybody else. The problem with that is in the time since that decision was announced to reverse, the Pac-12 canceled a lot of non-con games. That's why, for example, Colorado ended up playing K-State and the quote-unquote inaugural Little Apple Classic in Manhattan, Kansas, because there were those were teams were free because Colorado dropped a bunch of games. So that I think is the major problem. Is you're right, they don't have any quality wins over some of these good opponents because they really haven't had the chance to. Um, I think Colorado ends up with two quad one wins because I do think Stanford jumps back up into quadrant one. But with that being said, I completely agree. They just need to, I, uh, quite frankly. They just need to kill everybody else in the bottom of the conference and two people really need to step up because if it stays this tight heading through February, it's just going to hurt the standings and no Pac-12 team is going to be higher than a five. It's going to be an interesting stretch for a lot of leagues on the West Coast. The Pac-12, the Mountain West, the WCC. I mean, obviously, you know, Gonzaga's getting in there, but, you know, you kind of wonder if a team like, you know, St. Mary's or BYU or somebody can sneak in. Going to be interesting to watch all this, you know, West Coast. We're actually going to talk local hours, CU and CSU at the end of this podcast. So I don't want to lean too much into the CU conversation just yet. But I will say that February 18th game in Oregon, going to be one that I have my eyes on. You know, Oregon historically has really struggled in Boulder. So not that surprising that they lost that one. I'm really intrigued to see how that rematch plays out. Oregon in general, I mean, they, they got to go to Oregon State, which could be hard. I mean, it's a rivalry game. I know they're not that good. But they got to go to Stanford, to USC, to Arizona State, to Arizona. That's a really tough schedule to end the season. Yep. And Stanford is returning to their actual home court now. Um, and that shouldn't be underlooked at all. That's a yeah. big factor. Just being in your home bed. And I mean, this they're not NBA players, guys. It's not like they get to stay in, you know, the most luxurious hotels and all that. And, you know, live in flying private jets and all that. It's, yeah. it's a tough I mean, life it, for some of these athletes that are displaced. They haven't been home for two months, you know, and they've been playing in the Warriors G League arena. It, they are, and, and again, I can't speak for the Stanford players, but I get the sense that they are going to defend that home court better than anybody else in the Pac-12, just because they are now going to say, you know, how much it means to them. And they're going to feel it tangibly being in your own locker again. That's going to be huge. Absolutely. Um, let's stay out West and look into the Mountain West. Obviously, we are going to talk more local, specifically CSU and CU, but the Mountain West as a whole, I, I, I think, you know, you have in our notes here, 14 or four bid league question mark. I, I don't even put a question mark on at this point. I think, I, I think it's hard pressed to say they don't get four teams in. The tough part about the Mountain West is that a, a team like Boise State, who's about to play their second game against CSU. And like I said, we're going to talk CSU in just a second they still have to play Utah State and San Diego State. So, you know, you could get some cannibalization here at the end that kind of hurts the league. I mean, right now it's just really top-heavy. It's these four teams beating the living hell out of everybody else. 
And it's kind of going to be just like a matter of attrition. Who can survive the gauntlet and make it through? Kind of interesting. Coming in, nobody really expected CSU to be up in this contention talk. They've worked their way. San Diego State, they had a couple of tough losses. They got swept at Utah State in a series where Matt Mitchell went down. People kind of started, you know, dropping out their stock. They dropped out of the AP poll. All of a sudden, they're kind of rolling again. They don't have any quad one wins at the moment, but like I said, you know, they could beat Boise State. That could help their cause. It's it's going to be interesting. I, I really hope that all four of these teams get in because just watching college basketball around the country, these are four of the top 68 teams in the country. Like, I don't think there's any misconception about, you know, they should be like a four seed, a three seed. No, I mean, they're all going to be, you know, eight to 12 type seeds. That's fine. Just give them a chance. Yep. I, I mean... San Diego State, I don't think, is in conference contention being three games back. But they no, they're not going to win the league. And that, hurts their, and that does hurt them. But they still have the win over UCLA. And that, that really helps their cause, honestly. Yeah, it does. Because that, you know, that win just keeps getting better and better. And between Boise, Utah, and Colorado State, you know, the Rams have head-to-head wins. You know, they've got the tiebreakers over some of those teams. So, it, again, we are living currently in a world where conference tournaments happen. But... I, I agree with you, and this is a conversation for later days, but those tiebreaker stuff, I mean, that might be more important coming down the line than it normally is, depending on how some of this stuff shakes out. Um, I'll, t- like I- I'll tell you this, man. If you're CSU, you feel pretty good having already split on the road at Viejas and at Utah State. Now you have a home win over Boise State. Dude, if they win tonight, whoo, I'm getting real excited. I mean, if they win tonight, I, I think they actually would position themselves as potentially a favorite just because they've played so well against those teams above them. I would, I mean, I'd, I'd agree. They look, they they've still have to play two games at Wyoming. And I don't care that Wyoming's, the, you know, one of the bottom teams in the league. Anytime you have to play a rival, it matters twice on the road in one week. That's brutal. Going to Nevada for a pair of games, that's deceptively tough too. They can score in a hurry. They've got to take care of business. CSU can't afford to drop any of these really winnable ones because they're going to be favored in every game down the stretch after this Boise State game Friday night. And if they take it, they, they beat Boise State, they go on the road, they beat Wyoming in a pair of games. That's a top 25 resume, in my opinion. Yep, I agree. Um, let's shift our last conference we want to talk about, um, and, and let's kind of hit this a little quicker. SEC, Alabama's running away with this right now. Right tide. I really do think Alabama might win this conference by four games. Um, they, Dude, they're they, like projected as a two seed now. Yeah, I mean they are they are rolling. Their offense is insane right now. They broke the SEC record for three pointers. The thing about Alabama that I love is they are playing the most methodical brand of basketball on offense as I've seen out of anybody. They score in three different ways and three ways only. They're either going to shoot from three, they're going to drive to the rim, or they're going to hit free throws, and that is so analytically speaking, sound. You know, I, I for one, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the mid-range game because... Me, me too, but school, we're old school. Yeah, I mean, a lot, you know, me in high school, I couldn't really stretch the floor a whole lot, but those elbow <laughs> jumpers were my, my, my bread and butter. But this Crimson Tide team, I mean, they, they really actually could be pushing for a one seed if they continue to play this well. And that is both shocking and not shocking. Like, I mean, I had them in my preseason top 25, so I was higher on Alabama than a lot of people were. But, I mean, 
never in my wildest dreams did I think they'd be like legitimately a top 10, top 15 program in the country. And they are, I mean, they can score with the best of them. Yeah. And it took them a little bit to warm up. You know, those, some of these losses, I think hurt them in that one seed conversation. You know, the loss to Stanford was a, I mean, they, they almost lost by 20 points. They lost by 18 points to Stanford. They lost to Clemson and then they lost to Western Kentucky. None of those teams are bad basketball teams. So they don't necessarily have a, a horrible loss on the resume. But when you do get into that one, two seed conversation, I think those losses are going to hurt them. Agreed. When you compare them to, you know, if you're looking at a one seed, for example, I, I think right now you're looking at Gonzaga, Baylor, Villanova, and then maybe between Iowa and Michigan as kind of that. That kind of area in there. I'd I give think, it to Michigan right now. I know we were all high on Iowa, but I'll just based on the resume. And, and then, so either way, then one of those teams drops to a two seed, right? And then you also have Texas, Houston, and Virginia in that conversation as well, as well as Texas Tech. So I agree. I think Bama right now is looking as a two seed. I think they're they're one of the best out of those. Um, but yeah, they're, they're playing great basketball. They beat an LSU Tigers team that actually jumped up in a second in the conference as well. LSU, you know, that. Have them in the top 25 too. I'm feeling pretty good about my SEC knowledge. The the problem with LSU is that they lost that game to Kentucky. And at this totally. point, brutal. that's just a, such a bad loss. Kentucky 5-10 and 10 right now. You really would have loved to see them go and get a win there. But with that being said, they're still 6-3 in conference play, 11-4 in the season. They look like a, a conference team for sure. I, the thing about the SEC this year, I don't think any of these teams are necessarily great teams. I, I think Alabama's really good. I think Tennessee is really good. But teams like Missouri, Florida, Arkansas, LSU, they're just fun. You know what I mean? They're, they're, they're those teams that are like, all right, like right, I'm going to turn this game on and let's see what happens. Like They might lose by 25 or they might score 95 tonight. I want to see what happens. And, and that's compelling basketball. Yeah. And, and honestly, they... <sighs> The, the, the conference as a whole, I mean, I I have a team that I love to watch, and it's just because of Sharif Cooper, and that's the Auburn Tigers. The Auburn Tigers self-imposed a postseason ban, so they are not going to be playing. They don't matter, but I don't think they would have done that if they knew Sharif Cooper would have been eligible. He's only Agreed. played in six games right now, but he's averaging 32 minutes per game, 22 points, eight boards, or I'm sorry, eight assists, five rebounds. He is shooting only 19% from three, and he is still averaging north of 20 points per game. I, I think that Auburn really would have competed with this conference if they had him all season. I think that Auburn would be a terrifying team going forward. But yeah, you know, you have a lot of teams in the SEC right now that are kind of on the bubble between Arkansas and Florida are, are kind of on the bubble as far as tournament recognition. I think Alabama, LSU, Missouri, and Tennessee all do make it. They're all trending that way. Missouri, they are having a little bit of a tough stretch. You know, they're not as hot as they were. Um, but, you know, losing to Mississippi State and Auburn, going two, uh, two out of their last five, that's, that's tough. Yeah, they still should make it. Then you get into the, you know, Arkansas and, and Florida conversation as far as is this going to be a four-team bid? Or, I'm sorry, a four-bid league, a six-bid league, you know, where that shakes out. Arkansas needs a quality win. You know, they're, I think, 9-0 and or 8-0 and against teams outside of quad one. They're 1-4 against quad one teams. I like this Arkansas team. I think they're fun. 
Uh, J.D. Note is a guy who I really like to watch. I like Eric Musselman. You know, I obviously got to cover him for a couple years in Nevada. I just think he's an eccentric personality. Arkansas is the type of team that I think if they sneak in, you know, I could see them making a, you know, sweet 16 type run just because of the way they can score. But again, they, they need a quality win. They've got to win on the road. They haven't really been able to do that in league play yet. I'm curious, you know, Florida too. Florida is a team that I kind of gave up on early and now they picked up a couple of quality wins. It's right now. I'd, I'd agree. Those four teams at the top are in five, six, seven are kind of going to be fringe. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's tough to, after that Keontae Johnson incident with, with the Florida Gators, I think everybody took a step back and said, it's not even about their postseason play anymore. It's just no, about straight up. I mean, yeah, we just I mean, hoped that he would be okay. Yeah. And they've come out and played, I mean, very well since they've had some time to adjust and kind of bounce back to that. Obviously they dropped that game to Florida state when that incident happened, losses to Kentucky and Alabama are tough, but yeah, they've picked up a big win at home against Tennessee um, didn't see that one coming at all. No, not at all. So they, they, they've picked up, I think they just need to put together some more consistency because the problem with Florida is, you know, they have a couple of those nice wins like that one against Tennessee, but they got destroyed by Bama. You know, they got killed by Kentucky at home. So now how do they stack up against West Virginia and LSU um, and, um, ten- and Tennessee, those three games out of their next four are all on the road. I think those are going to be pivotal for the Gators as far as how their NCAA tournament uh, resume looks. Nailed it. All right, let's wrap up with some local talk. Before we do, though, we brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. Hassel Cattle Company, the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. Hassel Cattle Company is a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas. They ship all over the beautiful U.S. of A. straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu. Why? Because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. Hassel Cattle Company offers Wagyu smoked sausages, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu frank without any fillers. They got jerky flavors, original, sweet, and spicy. Oh, and their hamburger? It just happened to have won the Food Network's Best Northeastern Burger Jam. Not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. These guys take the registered bulls and breed them with Angus cows giving you that very high prime product that is grown with zero antibiotics, no hormone. Oh my goodness, hormones. Hormones getting kind of tongue-tied. Head to Hassle Cattle Company, H-A-S-S-E-L-L, cattlecompany.com. Use the promo code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. Man, I could use a steak right about now. Feeling a little bit hungover, guys. Not going to lie. Could use that protein. It, it would just get me going. Have you had any hassle cattle yet? No, I haven't. And We're younger I... guys, guys. So you got to understand. Like Ben and I, we, like, if I eat a Lunchable, you can't even judge me that much. So this, See, is, this is a big deal for us to, to we, be we... in a conversation with you know, grown man type meat. That sounded super weird. Let's just move <laughs> on. Anyway, <laughs> oh, that was awful. We're just pretend that didn't happen. All right, we're moving on to local talk. Let's talk about the Colorado Buffaloes. They're a tournament team. They're a tournament team, no doubt. What do you need to see from them down the stretch? Um, I need to see at least 50 minutes in a game where they are playing consistent basketball right now. They are trending on the 35 to 40 minute mark of playing good basketball in a game. And 
That's not to say they need to go out there and play a complete game every single night because that's just not how college basketball is. not realistic, yeah. But you look at some of their losses, pretend like, for example, you know, in their last three, so since the last time we've all spoke, they picked up a nice win against Stanford, but then they lost a game to Washington. That loss against Washington ends up as a quad three loss. That's tough. You don't like to see that. Washington played their best game of the season in that game. So I do... I understand that, that there's some frustration. You lost to the, the 11th ranked team in the conference, but the Huskies did play well. The problem with the bus is they shot 6% from three. They were one for 18. That is Holy not cow. just historically bad. That is fluky bad. That is a statistical anomaly. So then they come out against Washington State, um, and they picked up a win on Wednesday night, and they shot 59% from three. So they bounced back in that way. But, you know, again, it's just for the bus about putting it together. They're not on the bubble right now, heading into February. I think a, a lot of fans right now are having flashbacks to last season. And at this point, again, they weren't on the bubble at this point last season either. I was making an argument last season that this team could be a three or four seed. And then they went out there and did what everybody knows they did. So now it just comes to how can they take care of business? They've got their next four games at home before a brutal six-game road trip. They go to the Northern Cal schools. They go to Oregon. Um, I'm sorry, a four-game road trip. And then they come back home to USC and UCLA. So that's a, that's a top six-game stretch. But the next four that they have versus Utah, versus Arizona State, versus Arizona, versus Oregon State, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. The bus should be 4-0 at the end of the stretch. Three and one, maybe, because the Colorado Buffaloes just struggle so much against the Wildcats of Arizona. But they just need to put that together. Again, this is going to be a conference, or uh, I'm sorry, a tournament team. This is going to be a conference contender. But some of these games are going to be C-line games. Right now, I saw Joe, Joe Lenardi has them as an eight seed. For a team that's 16 in the net, 18 in Kempom, I think that's low. I think they're better than that. I think National Perspective has not bought in on the Pac-12. Um, personally, I think they're a five or a six seed team at this point. That can shift a lot. If they go on a run, sure, bump them up to a four or five. But if they play as poorly on the road as they're used to, that's where I think they get into the seven or eight seed line. And that's personally why I have them higher right now than some national people, just because it, it, my rankings are never about full-time projections for me. I'm always about right now where are they? Right now, I think they're a five seed. At the end of the season, that's where I see seven or eight as the more realistic possibility. Okay. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond to a couple of things you said here. First, I'm going to bring up Joe Lenardi, who I just want, like, this is not me throwing stones. This is not me talking shit. None of that. But out of the top 100 or so people that do these type of projections on a year-to-year basis, he ranks like 55th. So take it with a grain of salt. That's all I'm saying, people. He didn't have CSU in his projections until this week. I, every week I had people, you know, why doesn't Lenardi respect CSU? I don't give a shit what Joe Lenardi says. That's just me. I also want to bring up the the fluky shooting performance. That was at Washington, you said, where they shot, you know, like 8% from three. Yep, one for 18. <laughs> that's, that's crazy. But the reason that I want to bring that up is CSU had a very similar type game at St. Mary's where it wasn't just bad. It was historically bad. It was an anomaly. It was a fluke. And I said that that night because I knew it. It's just when you know that a team is that talented and they go out and they play that poorly, you know, it's, it's just not going to happen like that again. And, you know, everyone's, oh, you're being an apologist. Okay. Well, guess what, guys? Since that, they're 10 and two. They have three quad one wins. They're the best shooting team in the Mountain West. 
These are good teams. We are a basketball state at the moment. Historically, Colorado, it's all about football. The Broncos, Colorado Buffaloes, even, you know, the glory days under Sonny Lubick. You know, right now, it's about the Nuggets. It's about the Buffs. It's about the Rams. We're a hoop state. Embrace it, baby. Yep. Steer into the skid, you know? And Justin, you and I are pretty much the only people that talk people off the ledge after one bad game. Because that's just, you know, it is tough. And the argument I always get back from, from viewers and listeners and people on Twitter is, well, if that bad game happens in March, your season's over. And it's like, you know what? Yes, that is true. true. Yeah. But college basketball is not like college football, where if you lose one game, you're pretty much out of contention. This is a marathon, not a sprint. And uh, I'm of the believer that you learn a lot more about your team in losses than you do in wins. And that's why basketball is so, so much more beautiful because you have 20, 25 games where you can afford to drop a few games. You can afford to play like absolute dog poo and actually turn around and still make a run in March. So yeah, I'm glad you brought up that analogy to CSU and that 33 point game outing. Um, just, uh, I believe that was early December, mid December. Yeah. And, and that was literally, they had practiced a total of three times after being shut down for three and a half weeks. And every, you know, oh man, you know, this team, you know, they don't have what it takes. They're not tough enough to win the big ones. All right, guys. All right. We've seen how it's played out. And you want to know why it's played out this way? Because these teams are well coached and they've got great point guards, man. Isaiah Stevens, McKinley Wright. These are two of the most underappreciated players, not just in their respective conferences, in all of college basketball. These are guys that see the floor in a way that other people just don't. And in a time where, you know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of just point, I'm not, I wouldn't, I won't say pointless dribbling because there are people that can create their own offense. These guys get it. They've got to create for their teammates too. It's just fun, man. I, I just, I know I'm an old school guy and, you know, I nerd out for, you know, people running the pick and roll and, you know, a successful half court offense. I know that's not exactly what everybody loves to do these days, but I love it. I love McKinley, Wright. I love Isaiah Stevens. And I love David Roddy. This is a guy who needs to be in the conversation for Mountain West Player of the Year. He's a beast. Could have dominated the Big Ten. I know I'm rambling, guys. I'm getting excited. That's how much I love talking about both of these teams. It's just a fun time to be a college basketball fan. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I, I think any player who is leading their team, a team that's in you know contention to win the conference, should be in the Player of the Year conversation. Obviously, McKinley Wright got that recognition just because he's a fourth-year senior and he's breaking records for not just the conference, he's about to become the first Pac-12 player in history to have 1,600 points, 600 rebounds, and 600 assists, which is just an insane combination. Insane numbers. Just yeah. insane. Like, I know the CSU-CU rivalry and all that, but, I mean, I as a sophomore, I wrote how I believed McKinley Wright could take Colorado to the NCAA tournament for Mile High Sports Magazine. So, you know, you got real, you got to respect respect real if, if we're going to do this right, and he's a baller. Yep. And then you look at David Roddy. I mean, for Christ's sake, he's almost averaging a double-double on one of the most explosive teams in the Mountain West. How is he not in, you know, the favorite as far as the Mountain West player of the year? That is just kind of where you need to be at. And yes, we're from Colorado. We want Colorado teams to succeed, even though, quite frankly, I think we both have, you know, that rivalry against each other's teams that we cover. But the fact of the matter is, it's good for the state. It'll keep talent here. It'll bring talent in. uh, and, And the recognition needs to start going to some of these programs. Uh, you know, I'll kind of say this. I'm very excited for March at the DMVR bar. You know, we do things in a socially distanced way. All of our staff is going to be masked. We've got hand sanitizing stations all over the place. 
That's going to be the place if you can get to it to watch the tournament games. Boston Rams are going to be on there, but as a whole, it's just going to be a ton of fun. I had to shamelessly plug it because, like you said, I'm going on a little bit of a ramble, getting how excited I am about to actually have the tournament back again. It's going to be so much fun. We'll say total bummer that on a year where CSU and CU both have a pretty, you know, really good chance to qualify for the tournament. No fans. Yep. That sucks. And also a year where we were supposed to have games in Denver, meaning that there was a good chance that one or both of these teams would have gotten to play at uh, ball arena. I almost called it Pepsi center or whatever, but Oh, that is, that is the Ram life. That is the buff life. But Hey, you have to appreciate the good moments when they come. It's also unfortunate. We didn't get a showdown. I mean, these are two great teams. Like I would have loved, and we still could, you know, maybe, maybe they throw a game. If something happens where, you know, CU has an opponent cancel and CSU has an opponent cancel that could come together. Doubtful at this point, but either way, it's a fun time to be a college basketball fan. We will keep you up to date with everything throughout it all. Check out the DNVR bar. It's socially distanced. We've got great food, great beer specials, great people working. Thank you to everybody that subscribes. Stay safe, support local, wear a mask, all that fun stuff. Peace.